Hey everyone, I'm Devin. And I'm Asia, and we're your hosts, and this is the latest episode of On, On Their, Their Behalf. Behalf. So that has been, been two hours. Oh shit, sorry. <laughs> I was gonna say, it, t- it only took us two hours to press record. <laughs> we got a lot of catching up to do. We did, You know we what? Did. And it was worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys should hear our not recorded conversations. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, they're, they're real if long. You th- <laughs> if you, yeah, you think we're long-winded now? <laughs> yeah, it's real long. Uh, we started talking two hours ago, and yeah. I was I was an hour late too. So, but you know what? Here's the thing: I've had so much time in my day. Mm-hmm. A because I'm not working right now, which awesome yeah <laughs> and i was trying to like sugarcoat it no i love it yeah. um, <laughs> and i'm not working and i deleted instagram off my phone and suddenly oh. i have like five extra hours in the day <laughs> that i'm not going down like the yeah. dopamine hit endless scroll cycle and yeah. i feel great it's so oh, freaking. I, I did that uh, a couple like a year or two ago i did that but like I, you're right. Like, I think the thing that, like, especially when you're not working and you're just, like, mm-hmm. trying to fill up your day until, like, the evening so that you can, like, right. my thing is, like, okay, now I can have a glass of wine. It's five o'clock. You know? <laughs> like, um, like try to get to, like, I could sit on, like, reels and TikTok and just, yeah. like, go oh. and go and go and go. Seriously. And it's so bad. So, and it's, yeah. like, it started, like, a mindlessness habit cycle for me because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we talked about this in a previous episode, but I am reading that book still called The Habit oh, Cycle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or The Power of Habit, whatever. Yeah. Go listen to our other episodes to find out what Yeah, because I can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Um, but it's it really is like, oh, I mindlessly do this, so then I mindlessly lay in bed, and then I mindlessly yeah. eat, and mm-hmm. then I mindlessly drink, you know? Mm-hmm. And everything was just not intentional and just like kind yeah. of not thinking about what I was doing and now without oh, well, it, I, I, I definitely intentionally energy. drank for sure but you know <laughs> I, um yeah but I, I get mean, it yeah I do that too but mm-hmm. my you know after the first one it becomes mindless yeah um <laughs> true you're so right you're so right yep after the first one then, then I'm not but thinking it was at also, all yeah and I have like sort of convinced myself or I had sort of convinced myself that it was like, I need to stay involved on like what's going on in, you know, politics and social justice and everything. And that's my news source, which like that's problematic by itself. Oh, yeah. Um, and all that stuff. And so I didn't give it up worrying that I would miss out on things. And then I was like, well, I could go to like real news sources yeah. and see what's going on. Yeah, I can check. And if I want to check like the sources that are you know a little bit more specific like the root or you mm-hmm. know going to specific like whatever black lives matter is tweeting about i yeah. can actually do that and then that whatever i'm consuming and learning about actually becomes intentional mm-hmm. and le- and like intentionally like absorbing and also allowing me to think critically more yeah. instead of just being like hit with an infographic and i'm like that's the truth yeah and not exactly. thinking about it mm-hmm. um because i think i mean okay listen it's been three days so whatever <laughs> <laughs> not, yeah. this might be pretty short but <laughs> yeah but i have noticed like anything that i'm like huh like let me look into this i mm-hmm. look and i see i read one side of it and then i'm more inclined to search out the other side to understand both arguments mm-hmm. to better 
understand where I stand on something sort of free or like without only like the blinders of one side one side of it yeah yeah which I think is really nice I will Mm -hmm. say I did it right after my cousin's wedding my cousin got married this Mm. weekend and that was like nice to like post about a beautiful outdoor wedding we went to um it was like it's called winters which is like very close to napa okay. it was just gorgeous I love everything napa. was i know everything was just beautiful the whole everything was outside there was mm-hmm. very it felt very safe i was worried i would be anxious but it felt very safe i also yeah. took many edibles so felt Ooh, very relaxed great <laughs> look at you yeah. yeah but it was so nice to like get away like i haven't yeah. really like traveled anywhere yeah. too much mm-hmm. and it was like you know, nice to see my family who I haven't seen in a really long time. Nice to celebrate love. And just, yeah. like, Gabe and I were drove up and drove back and just, mm-hmm. like, having, like, our alone time. Yeah. And in a different setting. Yeah. You know? I know you you have traveled a little bit more than me. But. Yeah. I'm actually not in L.A. right now. I'm in Oklahoma. I went and saw my sister for a couple of days and then came up to Oklahoma where my boyfriend's shooting a movie. Um, but like exactly what you're saying, like I feel like, yeah, I've traveled a little bit after like I was fully vaccinated and was like, great, this is mm-hmm. awesome. Like I can go out and like not feel like completely scared of everything. But um, like this weekend, we're going to go up to the Lake of Ozarks. Which, Ooh, fun. Uh, oh, yeah. But I do want to tell you like uh, th- there's a lot of people that like get murdered and get dumped there so um just so you know that's where i'll be and um just in case you don't hear from me for like a week that's probably where i am oh god who are you going with who like i mean we're gonna be with a bunch of people but i definitely do this to him all the time i'm always like there was one time we were in la and he was trying to show me it was late at night too he was like, oh, there's this, like, little bench down by the river where he was say- staying. He's like, let's, wa-. we were walking Jackson, and he was like, let's take him down here. There, it'll be really cute. Like, you know, there's, like, a like a man-made bench, and we were walking, and it was, like, getting really dark, and then I look, and he was like, it's right down there, and it was, like, this really dark, like, steep little, like, uh, path that you had to go down, and I just looked at him and stopped, and he was like, are you coming? And I was like... No, I feel like this is like the beginning of a murder movie. Like, absolutely yeah. not. And he's like, are you actually thinking I'm going to murder you? And I'm like, I always think I'm going to be murdered. <laughs> like, of course, this that is like the, the basis thought. Exactly. Yeah. And it's always Just the boyfriend. Always assume it. It's always the boyfriend. <laughs> and it's always the boyfriend. Oh, my God. So when he told me where we were going, we got like a little cabin up there. But it's like a bunch of the people from the crew are going so it's not like it's not going to just be us like we have two people driving up with us so it's like not going to be just me and him going to the Ozarks that's so funny because it's like it's also like as you're describing it I'm thinking like this case this case this case where exactly a group of friends and everybody died (laughs) yeah I'm like no like there's and I've told this is a very healthy job we have oh it's absolutely (laughs) the most healthiest thing I've ever done <laughs> which leads me processing my anxiety. Yeah, actually, and I'm like, so. which led me to like that anxious texting of like four people, including you, <laughs> that I'm like, hey, so this is what we're doing for Memorial Day weekend. Um, it's it, it's the Lake of Ozark, so like you know, it's really easy for people to go missing. So if you don't hear from me, <laughs> like like that was my whole thing, and it would be really tragic 
if that actually happened and then this episode airs and this will be oh like, ugh. See, this is where the anxiety just it's moves and rolls happen. into something Stop. even more crazy and like so Ugh. intense. But we should do a whole episode of thi- like trips that I've canceled because I've been afraid. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh my god! I could talk for four hours about mm-hmm. that. Oh, oh my, my gosh! God. I've so anyways and, and trips that I've like tried to get people not to go on. Like I remember not wanting my mom to go on. Um, she was going to like Cabo or Cancun. I can't remember. And I had just finished watching the series of um, Lost. Oh yeah. And I like cried myself to sleep, oh my begging God. her not to go on this trip because I was so convinced her plane was going to crash and she was going to be on an island oh all my by God. herself. Um, <laughs> and then what made me realize it was the next morning she was she called me from wherever she was going and she was just like I just want you to know that I've made it here fine my plane didn't crash but it's probably because you get so invested in the tv shows you watch (laughs) that you you just really need to be careful that you don't let that get out of hand okay sweetie (laughs) Um, so yeah now I have to also like pull rein myself back in which I'm gonna do now but now we're gonna talk about murder so we are going to talk about murder. I do want to also acknowledge this is our season three finale. Oh, yeah. We made it. We made it through season three. I'm through tired. Three seasons of quarantine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Three seasons of quarantine. Oh, God. So yeah. thank you for sticking with us yeah. for this time. Um, we have a planning meeting for season four coming up. Yep. Um, We're going to take a little break, some, but then we'll yeah. get back into planning. And some exciting stuff that we thought would happen for season three, but didn't quite work out for us. But hopefully yeah. for season four. Yep. Um, yeah. And uh, if you like this, I'm just going to say this right now. Sure. Smash that like button. Oh, yeah. Subscribe. Subscribe. Send to your all your anxious murder friends. Yeah. <laughs> we can all be friends together. Yeah. And we can all have anxiety together <laughs> about being murdered. Yes. Or plane um, crashes. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> I think I've always had anxiety about that. I know. Regardless, we we're not meant to be in the sky. No, our feet are supposed to be on ground. I'm on my third floor in my townhouse right now, and I'm a little too too yeah. high up for my liking. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not the good. The floor is solid. Yeah, I'm not good with heights. I've never been. No, no. Um, Anyways, okay. Yes. Should we get into it? We should. So this week, we are telling the case. On behalf of the victims of the Grim Sleeper. The Grim Sleeper, uh, some of you might know about this. It, it was more um, uh, reported on and everything than mm-hmm. some of the stuff we usually try to do. But we do reserve the right to tell whatever case we want to tell. Yep. Um, <laughs> but I actually hadn't 
really heard anything about it. I had heard, like, the moniker The Grim Sleeper. Yeah. But I didn't know... The details, me either. The details. Yeah. And I actually, didn't I... I think when I said... We were talking about the case, I was like, we should do The Grim Sleeper because, you know, I don't think that they found the guy yet. Yeah. And <laughs> I did Wait, the... Spoiler re- alerts. Spoilers. That's like, if you know the case, you know that they found him. But if you don't know the case, you just said you found him. All right. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> but I'm gonna that, leave that in because it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> but I did like I was like I think I had no idea what this case was like really the details of it, and I also just like was again it's just like the little posts that get you know like oh the Grim Sleeper and then there's like mm-hmm. a little thing about it and I never actually did a deep dive into it and once I did I realized that there is actually a lot of information about yeah. it. So yeah, which I mean. I is is like very different from what we're information norm- about a lot oh, of cases yeah, that yeah, there are. Definitely. So I'm glad there is. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is different. We were saying like the in terms of our research maybe people aren't interested in this, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of our research, sometimes the cases that are underreported are harder mm-hmm. if it's like very little here and there. But yeah. usually that's when you can find firsthand stuff on things like Facebook and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on the cases that are super widely reported, it's also difficult because there is so much mm-hmm. to wade through. Mm-hmm. But it's also all kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's repetitive. Regurgitated and repetitive. Yeah. So, you, so finding the gems of mm-hmm. like this is important. Yeah. And it's hard it's, because a lot uh, of the yeah. stuff, like if they're, uh, it's widely reported, there's multiple, you know, journalists and reporters that are like giving their opinion. Like you can tell like there's like mm-hmm. little opinion things in there that can yeah. be like misconstrued as fact as well. Like I, yes. I did put some things in that I was just like, but I, the reason I put those in is because I agree with it. But yeah. like, if I didn't, it would be all speculation and like, right. not actual fact. But like, right. I think we, we do a good job at like, balancing that. Like, of course, we're gonna have opinions. And we're so. gonna Yeah, like, we're gonna have opinions. I think and we're it's gonna clear talk when we say things are our opinion versus Yeah, I don't know if we but do I, that. We also, well, we also point out to when like the things that are facts aren't always Yeah. Now we're just, like, talking about how good we are at this. <laughs> we are okay. professionals. We, we are, are amazing. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Okay. Um, but one thing about this case is that I found when it's cases with multiple victims, serial killers, and, like, the monikers, mm-hmm. it's very much focused on the killer yes. and not very much focused on the victims and mm-hmm. our goal is to like always remember that people died in yeah. these and yeah. not forget that mm-hmm. and that becomes a challenge with these serial killer episodes as long, they're really interesting but mm-hmm. in my research it was very easy to find a lot on him yeah not easy to find a lot mm-hmm. on all, a lot of the victims i'm going to give a little background on this mm-hmm. case so this is one that actually spans decades so uh it starts out in South Central Los Angeles in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, when we think of that, uh, there's a lot of stuff that comes to mind. But, like, it was a rough time in yeah. South Central. Uh, the AIDS crisis mm-hmm. was devastating. Um, the sort of, like, war on drugs and the use of 
crack cocaine and all of that stuff was happening. And so disproportionately high numbers of people living in South Central, which is a very uh, large black community, mm-hmm. was um, the victims of that horrible, like, just say no, like war on drugs campaign where really they were like pushing crack mm-hmm. in those communities. Mm-hmm. Um and not to mention, like, Reagan closing mental hospitals. And so people were just put on the streets. Lack yeah. of aid and support for these communities. And people just kind of left left high and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when people in this neighborhood started being murdered, specifically young black women who are either sex workers or addicts, nobody really did anything because it was just kind of like par for the course. Um which is obviously ridiculous, but also that neighborhood, which was just kind of like abandoned by everybody, is the perfect place for somebody to operate like Mm -hmm. this who wants to be a serial killer. Um, And that's what started happening. Mm -hmm. So the first woman who was murdered was named Sharon Alicia Dismook. She was shot twice in the chest and left abandoned at a gas station with a rag stuffed in her mouth. She was 21 years old. Um, and this was in 1985. Okay. And then August 10th, 1985, Deborah Ronette Jackson was shot three times in the chest, and her body was found under a carpet remnant in an alley. She was a mother of two, and she was 29 years old. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, and then Henrietta Wright was shot twice in the chest and found in an alley under a green blanket with a gag stuffed in her mouth. She was 34 years old. That was August 12th, 1986, almost exactly one year after Deborah. Okay. These are the days that these women are found. So I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, but based on, again, not a ton of description about things, but based on, um, coroner stuff, it doesn't seem like they were dead that long. Mm -hmm. So within a, within a day or two. Yeah. Um, so that was August 12th, 1986. August 14th, 1986, the body of 36-year-old Thomas Steele was found in Harvard Park in Los Angeles. Oh, and a he man. had also been shot in the chest. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know why I just had the thought that these were all sexually motivated. Well, he was the only man, and okay. we'll come back a little bit later. Okay. Um... Because these are these this list of people essentially mm-hmm. that I'm going for are the ones connected or considered to be possible grim sleeper victims. This okay. is, but also in this time, there were many people found dead of overdose, everything. So like these bodies with the gunshot wounds in 1986, they're like, ah, oh, another yeah. one, but not necessarily connecting them yet. Okay. They meaning police, police. or yeah, yeah. the community. Um, so then, so that, so that was, um, August 14th, 1986. 
And then January 10th, 1987, Barbara, Bar, this is Barbara, mm-hmm. it's a normal name, you can say it. <laughs> yeah. Barbara Bethune Ware was found and she had one shot to her chest and she was found under a pile of garbage and mm. gas tanks in an alley and she was 23. Jesus. And it just like, oh, this is so rough. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, I still have some to get through, but. Yeah. Um, so that was January 10th that Barbara was found, 1987. April 15th, 1987, Bernita Rochelle Sparks, uh, who is 26, was found, and she had one shot in the chest, and she was found in a trash bin with her shirt and pants unbuttoned and one shoe off. Hmm. And then, so that was April 15th, November 1st, 1987, Mary Catherine Lowe, who was 26, was shot in the chest and beaten. Her body was found behind a large shrub in an alley with her pants unzipped and her underwear missing. Wow. And then January 30th, 1988, Latrika Denise Jefferson, a 22-year-old woman, was shot through the heart and found under a mattress in an alley. She had a napkin over her face with the word AIDS written across it. And then Inez Elizabeth Warren, who was 28, was found in Gramercy Park alleyway with a gunshot wound to the chest. Alicia Monique Alexander, who was 18, was shot and strangled and found naked under a blue foam mattress in an alley September 11th, 1988. So, in the beginning, they weren't really connected, Mm -hmm. these murders and the finding of these bodies. But as you can tell, there's a similar pattern. Yeah. Gunshots to the chest. To the chest, yeah. Dumping in alleyways, mm-hmm. hiding bodies under garbage. Yeah. And then towards the end, obvious evidence of sexual violence. Yeah. Um, and the, the outlier is Thomas Steele, the man who mm-hmm. was shot in the chest. Um, but he became looped into this because the, sh- the shooting in the chest. Okay. But so at this point, you know, from 1985 to 1988, that's a long time for these to still be happening. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll get in a little more detail about that. But uh, the final, well, not the final, but my final victim before mm-hmm. Asia, you take over um, in terms of the victims is her name is Initra Margette Washington. Mm-hmm. And she, um, uh, most of this account is from a Rolling Stone article called Grim Sleeper, Serial Killer, Everything You Need to Know. Mm-hmm. So just citing a source right there. But in 1988, Anitra was walking in South Central when a man in an orange Ford Pinto offered her a ride. Um, she said no. And then the man said, quote, that's what's wrong with you black women. People can't be nice to you. End quote. So he basically guilted her. And after that, she accepted a ride because she felt sorry for him. Yeah. The mm. mistake. Don't yeah. do that. Never take a ride. 
Also, um, like, just like his his personal feelings. And you know, I'm not. I don't want to judge her. Her her no. being like you know the choice that she made because like you know if you feel like okay well you know like I, I we've all felt that way we've all been like okay with like certain people being able to push that guilt on you and being like okay fine you know yeah. and give in. But, like, his personal feelings of, like, him feeling, you know, um, a way about black women not being able to accept help or whatever, that's his, yeah, that's his deal. That's his fault. Like, you don't have to give in because you feel guilty or he feels guilty or whatever the fuck case it is. It's just like, no, I said fucking no. Yeah. Now back off. His whole thing is, like, I'm trying to be nice to you Mm -hmm. and, like, that that guilt trip and it's like you i don't know you anything nobody yeah. knows you anything yeah, you don't to be nice anything. to you yeah if somebody if you and and if you are trying to be nice to somebody and they say no fine yeah. let them say no exactly and like so i think too sometimes it's easier to like as a woman if you're feeling threatened in a situation it's easier to sometimes like go along mm-hmm. and like ah, play nice a little bit because yeah. If somebody, if a man is feeling rejected, mm-hmm. you could get hurt. Yeah, you could that's get true. Killed. Yeah. So if this guy is in a car following her, trailing her, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's 1988, like you and I have a little bit of a different opinion about hitchhiking mm-hmm. than at this at this time. But yeah. this is like something that happened. Actually, this happened to me a couple of weeks ago, or no? This was in Texas. In Texas, I was driving. I took my sister's car to get uh, something from the store. And I was driving, and there was a guy that pulled up next to me in a truck. And he, I had the windows, like, just slightly cracked so I could hear him. And he, like, whistled at me. And I, like, turned and looked at him, and he, like, did the whole, like, you know, like, like oh hey like you know like just trying to yeah. like flirt with me I guess I don't even know what he was his he thought he was going to accomplish but I literally just like looked at him and then didn't make any like response because I think he wanted me to like smile or something and I just looked yeah. at him and I gave him like a weird look like are you kidding <laughs> and rolled up the window and then like just inched the because we were stopped and I just like yeah. inched the car up a little bit more because I was just like what did you think that you were going to accomplish and like yeah I don't but he's what doing that yeah but obviously him doing that this has worked for him before. You know, like, this is something that he's doing because he's comfortable doing it. And it's just like, and I don't have to conform to that and be like, oh, hi. Like, I don't have to be nice to you. I don't fucking know you. I don't owe you a smile. I don't owe you a hello. I don't know you for that. Like, ownership of, like, men feeling like they're entitled to women's bodies and responses. Yeah, and attention. And it's just like, no, no. No, And it's like, sorry, dude, I'm not the one. Don't, don't try. Don't even try. Yeah. Not going to happen. And rather than like, I mean, maybe it has worked for him before, but maybe he also, it's the thing where men are told by rom-coms, by society, mm-hmm. like, just keep going until it until works she, and like, oh, wear yeah. them down mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And, and the idea that it's like, maybe, maybe it's never worked for him, but he just has that mentality of like, yeah, the more one I of try. these days it will. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like. Not okay, but also maybe women should feel that way more and then we could. Yeah. Like, I'm going to. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to wear you down, dude. 
don't yeah i will wear you down by glaring at you yeah like there was no he did and i think he like because the the like response i got from him was a lot of like the like come on like what are you doing like that kind of thing and i was just like i'm literally not engaging and i'm just gonna look forward because literally looking at this guy is like back of his pickup truck truck is more interesting than engaging with you so sorry yeah but yeah it's like i we don't women don't owe men shit and regardless of what he tried he clearly manipulated her into feeling like she had to do something in order to like and basically like apologize for her no being rude yeah Yeah. like she said no no, so then he made her feel guilty about saying no and then she felt like she needed to do something in order to make up for it and that's not right true nope but she got in the car oh god after a while in the car anitra suddenly felt blood coming from her chest and she realized she'd been shot thank god she asked the driver why and he said that she had disrespected him. Oh, God. God forbid. <laughs> um, and he pulled over and raped her and then took her photo. Afterwards, he pushed her out of the car and left her for dead. But Anitra didn't die. Mm-hmm. And she managed to yeah. find help. Good for her. Fuck yeah. Uh, I know. So... All of the victims that I talked about fit a certain profile, right? Mm -hmm. Black, usually sex workers or addicts, Mm -hmm. and within a certain age range. Yeah. And, um, you know, these are just some of the murders that I was saying, like, people were popping up murdered in this time. And the ones that they were kind of thinking maybe there was somebody Mm -hmm. singular involved here. Um, but, and, and the dates of them start to sort of spread out or like they're kind of spread out, but also some are more frequent right on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, so there's a year, about a year between the first two victims and then they get more frequent. Mm -hmm. And so part of me believes there's probably more victims than we realized, but these are just the ones Mm -hmm. that we fully like actually connected to this guy. So I want to talk about a little bit about like what our favorite people, the police, are doing during mm-hmm. this time. Um, <laughs> I have a question: Was Anitra? Yeah, was she a sex worker? That is a good question. I'm going to assume so. I didn't. Okay. I didn't see that specificity. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets kind of like on these big serial cases. Yeah. thing. It's like they there's like this sweeping like these are the people involved but then like the actual like identification of who Mm -hmm. is what and everything yeah is not but anitra is still alive so i wonder too if there's a little bit of privacy for her oh true um yeah involved so i'm not sure okay um but she fit the bill of yeah everything else that's why i asked because you had said that yeah and i was just like well yeah i wonder and it's so funny because like obviously we researched this separate so everything that you're saying is now make it makes so much sense Uh, into my side of things and i'm like oh Uh, yeah okay (laughs) okay so um so the police at this time like this is south central la so it's lapd Mm -hmm. we're talking in the era of the Rodney King riots, we're talking like just before OJ, all this kind of stuff. So like not a great mm-hmm. time 
is there ever a great time for no. police and like communities of color? Let's just no. say that. Um, but it's you know it's also bubbling over or mm-hmm. like all that kind of you know stuff. So the police became aware that somebody was targeting sex workers and addicts in South Central in 1985 after the first two, which were 1985 or two, two or three, I believe. Um, and they internally dubbed these murders, the South side murders or the strawberry murders, which strawberry was hmm. the term they used for a woman who exchanges sex for drugs. Never oh, heard of that before I haven't either. In September 1985, after Sharon and Deborah's bodies were found, they stated that they believed that the Southside Slayer was responsible for stabbing, mm-hmm. stabbing and strangling at least 13 sex workers between 1983 and 1985. Okay. I didn't even talk about anybody mm-hmm. in 1983 or 1984. Yeah. But it was after Sharon and Deborah were found who were not strangled or stabbed that they yeah. said this. Okay. But they were like, hmm. oh, we think we think one guy, the Southside Slayer, has been operating for two years and killed 13 women. Mm. So this yeah. sparked outrage because what the fuck? This yeah. was the first time in over two years that the police notified South Central that there was a potential serial killer in the community. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Oh, this makes so much sense. And it get, it makes... It, okay, it gets worse. It gets so... It gets so much worse. Fuck. So, there was a series of protests that were mm-hmm. held by community activists outside of LAPD headquarters to pressure them into forming a task force to investigate the murders. Yeah. Like, that's what you do. And you yeah. didn't do it. But, like, so, I just don't... I, I'm I'm shocked that it's like... No, I'm not. You know what? That's no. the thing. That's the, the most annoying part about it is that I'm not shocked. Not surprised at all. That they were like, well, this is no big deal. Like, why are we going to why are we going to put money and time and resources into a community that to them doesn't matter? It was a community that doesn't matter. And the victims didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because if it if this is where it's like respectability politics times mm-hmm. 40. Right. Yeah. Where it's like you're not a black doctor getting murdered. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. And it's like, but at the same time, it's like, if they had been white sex workers and addicts, Mm -hmm. you would have known in maybe 1984. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If we're, if we're doing, uh, what do they say on Ginny and Georgia? Uh, oppression Olympics. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is not helpful for anybody. So whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so Margaret, Prescott, who was one of the activists leading the charge, contrasted the lack of police work in this case to the significant investigation of Richard Ramirez, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. the Night Stalker. Yeah. um, Because he targeted women in upscale neighborhoods. So exactly Mm -hmm. what we were just saying. And she, Margaret, in 1988, is like saying the same thing we're saying today. Like, look at this. Look at this case. And then look Mm -hmm. at this case. What's the difference? difference? It's you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So by January 1986, 15 murders had been oh linked God. to the Southside Slayer. And a task force was finally created three years after oh the initial God. realization that somebody was out there yeah. doing it. And think about how many people it would have been. It could have been just one person that died. Right. There could have been yep. just like, or none. I mean, like, <laughs> you don't start with murder. Like, yeah. Oh, God. Eh, well, actually. 
I don't know. I need to take a psychology class. But <laughs> they're real hard. So they finally, yeah. <laughs> they finally, after um, a year of these protests, created a task Jesus. force. But it was literally like, okay, we created a task force. Like, we'll we'll look away, into it. It literally, quiet. yeah. We, yeah. We'll look it's into it. Like, is is we'll the equivalent of that? Yeah. Yeah. So Margaret Prescott, who uh, I said before was the one of the leaders of the charge, um, was still unsatisfied with the lack of investigation, and she created the Black Coalition Fighting Back Serial Murders. Oh, good. Okay, and, that comes up yeah. in my stuff, and I was like, I okay. just but uh, just the name, so I was like, I don't know how this started, yeah. but I'm gonna put it in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in March 1986, they pressured LA City Council to increase the reward money offered. From $10,000 to $25,000. <gasps> and I'm like, that's it. Okay, like 1985 or 1986 at this point. So oh, okay. Inflation. Yes, yeah. But like, still, that's it. Yeah. That's what you're valuing. Oh, my at God. At this point, 13 people ask. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. And and you're valuing 13 people as, but also the, all the potential victims. Yeah. Worth. Come on. Uh, you know, so increasing reward money is a win, but mm-hmm. towards the end of 1986, the investigation was just kind of like muddled because there seemed to be conflicting evidence for the murders. Okay. Um, different types of killing, different modus operandi, different suspect descriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so investigators started to question if there actually was one, only one killer, or if there were multiple serial killers, yeah. which is even more insane mm-hmm. um so at that point they're like so out of their depth that they're like there there's probably four or more people that have killed more than one person in south central yeah which is just like fear-mongering and irresponsible mm-hmm. at that point because oh my god that's just like perpetuating the myth of like black on black crime right i mean yeah of of like the randomness of it right mm-hmm. Where it's just like everybody in South Central has killed more than one person. Come on. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And it, so, it's just like, it just it's just a way to justify their inaction. Exactly. Yeah. Where they're like, we're just like so all over the place. Who knows? Everybody's yeah. killing each other. Mm-hmm. And like, it's literally that bias that today when people say like, you know, are arguing that the police disproportionately kill black people, mm-hmm. then the, the uninformed, unintelligent, uh, reaction to that is what about black and black crime and it's like that has nothing to do with what we're talking about yeah not saying that like gang violence isn't a problem but like that's within their own community yeah and let's talk about the roots of black on black crime shall we yeah like if you want to pull that card okay let's let's talk about it but also like don't think you're gonna like distract Distract us from from the issue yeah that's at hand. Mm-hmm. But that's Come the whole on. point is because they and it's it's also like a defense mechanism where it's just yeah. like you have to you have to come up with something that's either justifying it or counteracting it. And it's like right. and and you can't find anything that counteracts it because you it's clear it's clear as day yeah. that this is like actually happening to these communities and the, and the police are treating people of color in same in the same situation completely different than people that are yeah. are, are who are are white so it's like yeah. you there's you have no excuse to uh, justifying their, their difference so then you have to come up with something else to make it seem yeah. like oh this is not important because yeah. of other things and it's just dumb and it's also like so 
So because you're saying black people kill other black people, that we shouldn't help anybody ever? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> because guess what? Do you the hear yourself? Are... Yeah. The other <laughs> argument I've heard is like, police kill white people too. And I'm like, that's not a problem for you? Yeah. That's a problem like, for me. Yeah. Shouldn't be killing anybody. Anybody. Exactly. Anybody. Oh my gosh. It's just like... Ugh, it's so disgusting because it's so, how many of those conversations like and I've had several over this last year uh, of of that of people trying to justify like, you know, I, I had a quote unquote friend. He's not a friend of yeah. mine, but he was in the vicinity of where I was with other friends. So mm-hmm. but it was like a whole like um, the, you know, George Floyd thing. Well, he, he had a counterfeit bill and this was like another this wasn't the first time that that happened and I'm like okay so you're telling me that if I walked into a store regardless of how many times that I've walked in there and stole a fucking pack of Skittles or a a Snickers bar I deserve to be shot or I deserve I deserve to have somebody kneel on my neck for over eight minutes are you kidding and he's like no no that's not what I'm saying and I'm like so then what are you saying yeah like you're saying that something you're saying so, this guy made mistakes in his life life and that he deserved Who, to die from it anybody that hasn't yeah like there's so many things that like I could even I could I could write an essay on how many things that I know that that specific person yeah. has done in their past that ha- is wrong is is yeah. is just and you know what? wrong and I don't think there you should white- die because of it correct so, and there are white people who who say like I you want to hear a crazy thing I did? And mm-hmm. it says something that's way worse than using a counterfeit bill. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, that's, so that's like a funny character building story for you. Yeah. But for but other, it's, it's a death else, sentence for somebody else. It's a death else. sentence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You're, cool. and it's just like, you. it's, and I've said this so many times, like, do you actually hear what you're saying? And it's a lot of the times I use the comparison of like, well, what if this was your child? You can't control what you, you can control what you do. You can say, okay, well, I would never use a counterfeit bill to, to buy a pack of cigarettes or I would never, mm-hmm. you know, write a bad check. But like, what if this was your child who you can't control what they do? You can't control how they go about their lives. Would you be okay? Would you be standing up there and saying, you know what? Well, he had a counterfeit bill. So he, you know, I, yeah. I understand why this happened. You absolutely would not. You would be yeah. up there fighting for the justice for your child because because comparatively what he was doing that was wrong or against the law did not it did not mean that he deserved to die for it like no. he deserved to be fined yeah. <laughs> he deserved to pay the the fucking store back he didn't deserve yeah. to be publicly murdered publicly in in the yeah. fucking daylight he did not yeah. deserve that so it's just it's just so we we need to do something to justify one, your belief of, of, of you know, your support of the police. It's more comfortable if you don't have to see the way the world is for white exactly. people. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and it's you just know. clinging on to that comfort. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Oh, God. Anyways. <sighs> so. I'm already <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, okay, so this task force that was created in 1986, mm-hmm. in 1987, was disbanded. Of course. Because the force, uh, task force commander, Lieutenant John Zorn, said, quote, the flow of clues is almost non-existent at this point. So fucking so, find them. Yep. 
So keep, the South keep Side the task Slayer, force on and find them. The, you mean that the missing people and the people who nope. are dead showing nope. up under trash? Nope. That's not clues enough? Nope. Are you out of your mind? Nope. Can't afford it. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Ugh. Boop, Give me boop, a fucking boop, break. You can't afford it. You can't afford it? Oh, well, how about we just take some of the money that you're using, the billions of dollars that we're giving the police force to get them out of situations where we're, we're paying for their fucking lawyers to get them off on, like, literal technicalities. Like, how about we use some of that money? No. Hello? No, thanks. Can you hear me? No, Jesus. Thanks. Sorry. I got really hot and upset. That's right. I don't blame you. But so the task force was disbanded and that was the end of the investigation in the 1980s where they were saying 13 people were killed and they just like, boop. Yeah. So these names that were so clever, Southside Slayer and the Strawberry Slayer, Mm -hmm. they were never found and everyone in South Central was left to fend for themselves. My God. Your turn. Okay, well, I feel like we've already, like, so, but that doesn't end there. When, th- what date was that again? This was, I just have December 1987. 87, okay. So now we're in the 2000s, so I'm going to cover um, the part of the case of uh, from the 2000s on. And now, I have, it. you just went through 11 victims, right? Yes. Okay, so now I'm starting with the 12th victim. I just wasn't sure of the numbers because I was just like, I'm sure there's more, but, you know. So the 12th victim um, was Georgia May Thompson. She's 43. And this was kind of conflicting. I found a couple of reports that said that she was found on December 28th, 2000. Um, mm-hmm. And then others that said she was found on December 18th. So I'm not sure if it was a typo or if it was just... Uh, just conflicting reports of the actual day her, her body was found, but she was found in South Park, Los Angeles. It's like an industrial area of, of, of Los Angeles. And she mm-hmm. was found with two gunshot wounds to the left side of her chest. And she had blunt force trauma to her head. Um, the 13th victim was princess Cheyenne Bartholomew. Um, and I was like, when I heard that name, I was like, Oh my God. I, and she was 15 too. So I was just like, this precious, this precious little baby, princess Cheyenne, the Bartholomew. I was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe. And this was my second victim that I was researching. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Um, But she was uh, strangled and she was discovered naked and hidden (gasps) in a shrubbery in an alley. In Inglewood. Um, this was uh, March 9th, 2002. So about two years of... Uh, about a year... Like a year and nine months later. So from mm-hmm. uh, Georgia May Thompson. Um, and the 14th victim was Valerie Louise Mc... I'm sorry, I'm messing up her last name. McCorvey. Mm-hmm. She's 35. Uh, on July 11th, 2003, about a year later, she's found in Westmont, L.A. She was also strangled. Her clothes were pulled down, and she was at, at the entrance of a locked alley, which Whoa. I was like, what? 
and couldn't find anything else because yeah, there's not what? much going, there was not much about the specific victims or like how their yeah. bodies were found. But I'm like a locked alley. I wonder if this that's guy. That's a clue. That's a, that's a very distinct clue that could have led them somewhere. And who's to say, you know, just to be devil's advocate, like who's right. to say that they didn't look into that because it was locked. But like, yeah. you know, um, if, if there was nothing came of it, if there, if they didn't, go into yeah, it I guess I'm sure it's like somebody could have dumped her for lack of a better gentler word yeah gone out and then like if it was just like a chain and a lock you yeah know, you could buy that anywhere exactly I don't yeah, yeah I guess yeah, we don't it's know like how who knows locked. yeah right. um and the 15th victim um I, again I'm probably gonna mess up her name and I'm so sorry but um Ayala Badzata God, I, I'm sorry. We're, we'll link everybody's names just mm-hmm. so. Yeah. But her last name was Marshall. She's 18. She was never oh. found. Oh, what? And was last seen on February 2005. And there's um, another victim that was also never found, the 16th victim, um, Rolinia Morris. She's 31. Uh, again, she was never found, and she was last seen on September 5th, 2005. Um, and I'll get into a little bit more detail about the, how they've linked these two victims to the Grim Sleeper, um, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't have a body. Mm -hmm. Um, but Dante, uh, Cannon, he's 22. His mother was Rolinia, uh, Morris. And he says that, um, she had... Like, she was just a beautiful, lovely human being. She was willing to give up anything for her children. Um, He says that they, you know, they spent, you know, they spent a lot of time homeless. Mm -hmm. But throughout this time, she always, like, any little money that she had, she would always, like, stretch it as much as they could so that she was able to, like, bring them him and his sister to, you know, um, like six flags or Mm -hmm. like do like weekend trips because she was like, Mm -hmm. you know, she wanted to be a good mom and her just her, her situation wasn't going to stop her from being a good mom, which is some of the things like I was reading, I just got the chills saying that, but like some of the like reports you, you find of these women because they were sex workers or because they, you know, didn't live the lifestyle that society says that women should or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is. It's just like, we all, those descriptions always lack this type of stuff where we, we are able to, you know, see that this woman, just because she was in that situation and trying to get herself out and, 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 and make money and, and be a good parent to her children Mm -hmm means absolutely nothing like she could have still she could have be, be that just alone and still be a sex worker yeah. like that the two of those things do not make her a bad person and did not justify mm-hmm. her death so it's mm-hmm. just like i love that there was i was able to find uh her son's like you know recount of that time in his life but also like just a little bit more detail until he humanized her too like she was a yeah. human yeah and trying to figure it out you know um, but he said he was a mama's boy and he said, quote, we were struggling my whole life, but whatever I wanted to do as a kid, she was with it. End quote. Oh. Um, like I said, they were homeless. So he said that they would bounce around from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. Um, uh, but she, you know, she wanted him to go live with his father 
um, because his dad had a little more of a stable life and a little bit more of a stable um, job, so, like, income. Uh, but he refused to leave. Uh, He'd ra- he would rather be with his mother and then go live with his dad. So, but then over time, it just became too difficult for her to care for him and his sister. So, um, he did go live, uh, with their father, uh, eventually. So, mm-hmm. um, but he, he says that his mom would reach out every day. She would check on him all the time. Um, and he said that just hearing his, her voice over the phone always like, you know, gave him a sense of calm and like, you know, he doesn't say this, but I, I assume that it's like, you know, he wanted to be with her so badly that I'm sure that always came up in their conversations. Again, this is me like piecing a little bit of the story together, but like, you know, I'm sure she was like telling him like, okay, I'm going to do this. And, you know, Mm. you know, just to get our family back together. And he said that that always helped calm him, you know, his conversations with her. And, um, but then all of a sudden she stopped calling. Um, he said that his relatives told him that she was out of touch because she was getting her life together. Um, but he said that from that point on, he felt so abandoned and worried um, that, like, this is not like her. But he's a kid. Like, who's going to listen to him about, like, his worries yeah. as a child? Um, but, you know, he does say that he remembers just, like, always getting in trouble for, like, lashing out on his uh, on his family. But it was all because he felt this, like, sense of abandonment from his mom and that piece Absolutely. of his life that was missing. So, and it's uh, justifiable, like, I think. But then also for his family to be like, oh, she's fine. Just, like, she's just trying to get her stuff together. Like, you just don't worry about it is also, like, yeah. problematic in my opinion. But um, I mean, yeah, it's so hard to know what to tell a child yeah you know yeah. yeah so i feel like we gotta assume they're they're mm-hmm. doing the best that they can with the tools that they have yeah you know? true. but yeah. it's just a tough situation yeah yeah um and the 17th victim was uh janicia lavette peters and she was found in gramercy park she was shot in the back and she was mm-hmm. naked, um, and she was sealed inside of a plastic trash, trash bag and put in a trash bin in an alley. Um, and she was found on January uh, 1st, 2017. She was 25 years old. Oh, my God. So 17 victims is, like, what we know about so far. Right. Um, but regardless, the community was absolutely outraged because of all of this like Mm -hmm. this is now like even if you didn't want to connect the 11 victims from you know the 80s to these victims there's still like five six six victims or six people in this community that, that have been shot in the chest and dumped and no one's doing anything about it yeah. Um, Bill Bratton's or Bratton's, however you say his name, he's the, he was the police commissioner at the time in, in Los Angeles, and many elected officials paid absolutely no attention to the resurgence of the murders in this, these black neighborhoods. Um, mm. Christine <sighs> Pel- Pelesek, did you mention her? 
No, I don't know who oh, that okay. is. Okay, all right. So Christine, she writes for LA Weekly, and um, she wrote um, a breakthrough article in 2008 um, uh, profiling all of these murders. She said, quote, the killings weren't going down in Silver Lake or Westwood. There was, there has been no big press conference from Bratton who recent, recently weighed in on Lindsay Lohan's love life. The camera loving mayor, Antonio Villaragosa, however you say Antonio Villaragosa. Yeah. He's very famous. <laughs> so, you, this <laughs> happened last, a couple episodes too. I'm like, I don't know, I know these people. You don't know these politicians. No, man. not, not <laughs> at all. Um, and so he also did like a public uh, speech as well, uh, telling the public to eat more nutritiously. And she, she writes in this article, she's just like, this is all, these are the conversations that are happening while the identity of a killer that's ravaging these poor and black neighborhoods is still not found. Like they don't know who this guy is, but we have the fucking police commissioner and the and the mayor talking about Lindsay Lohan and like how to live a healthy lifestyle. Like, are you kidding? Like, how about the healthiest way to live a lifestyle is to not be murdered? Not be murdered. <laughs> God, um, the yeah. LA and you know what isn't healthy is stress and anxiety mm-hmm. because you don't know who is a fucking serial killer. Yeah, oh, who not or who isn't? Yeah, like come on. Um, the LAPD never, never, like you said this too, they never alerted the communities of the possible dangers that... Again. That there was, like, that there was a grim sleeper or there was a, a murders happening in these communities, even though there were two bodies that were discovered between 2002 and 2003. Nothing. Never said a fucking word. There was nothing. Nothing happened. And like And so anybody that's saying like, Oh, it's the eighties, oh we've learned, oh they're better now. No. Are they? No. They're no. not. No. It's it's because it had to do with the community that this all happened in. Mm-hmm. Um, Christine states that the LAPD saw a pattern in the murders in the late 80s and early 2000s. They did not share this new discovery with the family. They didn't even share this with the, the uh, families who were murdered from the 80s. No. No. Yeah. Nothing. Completely silent. But he, he clearly cared about Lindsay Lohan. Um, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, I guess. No. I mean... <laughs> No, she there deserved was, better. There was a time where I was definitely a Lindsay Lohan fan. I will admit. Um, so now that these investigation, or because these bodies have surfaced, it's the same, you know, pattern as they, you know, are able to connect to the uh, 1980s uh, murders in these communities. Mm-hmm. Um, there. It, it didn't take long for the community to be like, you know what? You're gonna do something about this. You're gonna figure it out. So there was an investigation that was, was started. Um, he did uh, Bratton, the police commissioner, eventually in 2007. Now, 2007, mind you. Let me... Mm-hmm. The, 2007, the last murder Six was 2005. Years. Oh, my God. The first was in 2000. So it took seven years from the first murder. The first of like the second half. Of the second half of the murders or quote unquote second half um, Mm -hmm. for him to to start a a task force to solve these murders. 
This is crazy. So they had some evidence already. They had ballistic evidence from a uh, 25 caliber gun um, that was used, obviously, in all of these cases. Um, and they also had DNA evidence from the crimes from from multiple of the of the of the victims from the 80s. But also they had evidence from uh Oh gosh, I always try to put their first name, but uh, the survivor. Her what's her first name again? Anitra. Anitra Washington. I only have I think Washington. that's how you say it. Yeah, Anitra. Anitra's uh, description of her assailant. So she she did a uh, an interview after the because she was the only survivor. So she did mm-hmm. an interview with the police afterwards. She gave them a clear description of her attacker, um, and uh, this testimony well i guess you can call it a testimony but like her statement her statement to the police was a key role in their capture of the the grim sleeper what when did she give the statement that you're referring to i didn't write that down okay it because i i know that in the in 1988 she talked to the police but this is this is i'm asking because a it's not clear in any of the research yeah but b it's like if they had a very clear description of her attacker. Yeah. Did nothing about it. And then. I, I'm i going to assume that. I know she talked to the police in the 80s, but I don't know if that's that's what you're referring to right now. I'm that. not sure. And this is okay. a, again. But this this is from the 2008 mm-hmm. L.A. Weekly article. So I'm going to assume that. Well, let me go back. Let me go back and read exactly what it says. Just give me, because okay. I always, I always have like a yeah. little thing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you guys know exactly how we do it. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, so it says eventually in 2007, Bratton assembled a task force to solve the murders. Ballistics evidence from the 25 caliber gun used, DNA from the crimes, and and Washington's description of her assailant all played a key role in the capture of the Grim, Grim Sleeper. Okay. It doesn't say specifically like what yeah. when she she gave this description. I'm going to assume I mean, that it the, probably is multiple times. Yeah, multiple times yeah. and like the description of her her assailant makes me believe that it was from the 80s because if this was just like an interview she did 10 years later or 20 years later mm-hmm. i don't think that they would use those words you know what yeah. I mean? but she identified the car too uh, yeah that he had in the yeah. 80s so yeah so that could have but been i just don't know but why also their excuse then. yeah right but their excuse for all this is that they didn't connect them to be yeah, the same person true. so that's and true. they happened like 1987 you said was the last murder from from your uh, victim, Anitra was in 1988. Eight, right. 1988. Now we're yeah. two. That's twelve years later. So like I could, s- no, I'm not saying that this is justified. I'm just saying like I could see how right. they they could use that. Well, as yeah, an it wouldn't be, and it's probably new people and mm-hmm. everything, and they don't know the history and everything. Yeah. So and this is it wouldn't uh, be someone's first thought. Yes, and this is the this police commissioner was not the same police commissioner right. that was, you know, so who knows how, right. how this flow of information or evidence was taken care of or handled during the off yeah. season that they're saying happened. Yeah. So, um, but the grim sleeper is considered the longest operating serial killer West of Mississippi. Um, and even though they had all the clues and all of the, like evidence from all the other cases that were consistent between each, 
victim, they never really used any of that information or evidence to, like, take, like, any of the DNA that they have and run it. They never, they never did any of those things. It was just, like, Mm -hmm. that was the one big piece of the investigation that they just, like, didn't do. Um, so now in like early 2010, they decide that they're going to use the DNA that was collected from the scenes of the murders, um, and use it to, um, run it through like the, uh, DNA database or however, like for convicted felons and all that crap. Oh, okay. Um, so they do that. They finally uh, put that through, but they were not, they did not have a, a match. There was no mm. matches in their database for this DNA. But they did link the DNA to a relative of the Grim Sleeper in the Ooh. DNA system. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So. <laughs> So they uh, they run it. They find a, f- a familial match, which um, is what like fifty to seventy percent. Yeah. Something? So it's not like all the markers are not the same. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like I'm mm-hmm. trying to act like I'm like this expert in like DNA analysis, <laughs> but I'm not. Um, so they have a, a fil- familial DNA match to Christopher Franklin. Okay. And he was arrested back in 2009 for a a weapons possession. And the district attorney, Stephen Cooley, said that he believes, quote, the first time, this was the first time a familial DNA search has been used successfully. And then when I read that, I was just like, what? Ooh, I don't like that. No. But also, I was just like, wait, what? Well, obviously, the the big case that we all think about in California right. is the Golden State Killer. And that's how they got the Golden State Killer is because there was a mm-hmm. familial match as well. But I don't think it was as mm-hmm. close as, like, a, an actual child. I don't think he had kids. Did he? Uh, that's Honestly, that's one I don't know a lot about. <laughs> okay. I was just like, I don't think he had children. He might have. Uh, who knows? Like, I don't know, like, a ton about uh, the Golden yeah. State Killer as well. But, um, so they, you know, they were like, this is the first time that this has happened successfully in, in California. Um, and this was in 2010. What year? In 2010. 2010. Yeah. It was early 2010. It says, um, but they pull him up and he was way too young to have committed the murders in the eighties. Right. So they were like, okay, then it has to be like a family member that he, you know, so then... Um, they look and they link him to, it's his father, Lonnie David Franklin Jr. But because this DNA analysis and comparison is not considered legal at the time, when they caught the Golden State Killer, it was already legal. Like, there was Uh certain, like, you couldn't just get, like, familial DNA matches from, like, um, like 23 and me and right. like ancestry.com. Like that's you need, illegal. Like, warrants. There's still privacy yes. There's stuff. still yeah. privacy issues with those, but there are specific, um, now there's specific, um, 
uh, databases that are used for that, for, for law enforcement. Mm. And if it's a private company like Ancestry.com or 23andMe, they can't legally sell your DNA to these mm. other companies to have familial matches. It has to be mm-hmm. like you voluntarily give your DNA to be compared. Mm. And they obviously urge people to do that, but, like, many people don't. Like, who wants to know if their family member is a serial killer? I mean, I want to know. But, you know. (laughs) um, So they uh it wasn't considered illegal at the time um and the and the match that they had was was obviously not a full match because you only have you get partial dna from your mom and partial from your father right. so it's just like there was no real way to this dna um would not hold up in court pretty okay. much as like the only reason do? why you so listen oh, okay. gosh. <laughs> so Now they need to go find further evidence, but they know who they are looking at. So they have undercover officers who eventually obtain DNA samples from Franklin legally. Okay. So how do they do that? Okay. So according to an article in LA Times, which I couldn't see because I, you know how LA Times, yeah, you can only get like a certain amount of articles from LA Times for free. And like, I already used my other one that I paid for, like I paid a dollar to get six months of it for free. And then, um, but now they're like, okay, you paid the dollar for six months. Now we want $118. And I was like, uh, I don't know, but I could (laughs) see like little times tiny like snippets of it like clips of it so i i was able to pull it from that and also wikipedia helped me fill in the blanks as well so so undercover art uh officers they go to they follow him to a birthday party in la at a restaurant and the officers act like they're busboys oh my god at this restaurant and they end up collecting a plate, a cup, and pizza crust that Franklin ate. And they test the saliva on the pizza crust, and they get a oh my perfect God. DNA match to the cases. Wait, so how is that legal? They must have gotten a warrant then oh, yeah. to trail him. Oh, yeah, yeah. permission. Okay, yeah. Okay. And this article, this article oh my God, for the LA... Oh, from a pizza crust. From a pizza crust. This is literally what the article title says for LA Times. It says, um, how a bite of pizza led to the arrest of the Grim Sleeper murders. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so they collect this evidence. They test it. It's a match. So then on July 7th, 2010... Wait. I just want to say one thing. Sure. This is when I really like police. <laughs> when they do yeah. really interesting things like this. I but know. here, I'm just going to p- drop in a little bit of my propaganda. Okay. Um, defund the police. You can still have investigations and shit like this because oh. you just have an investigations team. Yeah. So you can still get all the great stuff and still watch all your favorite shows. Mm-hmm. But no, you don't need guns. Nobody got killed in this. No. And, and literally something as simple as pizza. Exactly. Nobody had to get shot for it. It's like a heist Well, movie. I guess his victims did, but you know what I mean. His victims had to get shot. Yeah. Nobody had to get shot by somebody that were paying to protect us. Yeah. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's cool. Um, so then on July 7th, 2010, Franklin is arrested. Um, the district attorney uh, office charges him with 10 counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. 
um, and the uh, special circumstance allegations of multiple murders in the case. So they were trying to like, I think they were just like trying to pick as much as they could out so that yeah. they could get as much on this guy because who knows, you know, especially 2010, how many people got away with like li- literal murder for like a technicality. Yeah. So I think they were just trying to like get as much as they could. Yeah. Um, but this is the part that I was just like, okay. Ugh. So law enforcement Missed the opportunity to get Franklin years ago because he was arrested in 2003 <gasps> and was convicted of a felony and served three years of supervised probation. Are you kidding me? What was he arrested for? Um, I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't tell, but it just says a felony and that a he felony. was probation huh? and then he got probation for it for three years but why don't they have his dna okay so prior to 2005 i think let me see yes 2005 when you were arrested when you were arrested it was not they didn't have to take your dna they didn't have Ugh. to collect your dna from, fel- they could, from felons but they didn't have, but to? They didn't have to but then in 2004 oh, they did pass a Proposition 69, which required that DNA was collected from all felons and everyone arrested on some specific charges. But it, like this article that I read made it seem like even if he, even if they did do it, he, the charges that he were, was brought up on, and maybe I should have dug a little bit deeper, sorry, into like what his, that charge was, but, um, Basically, like, he wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, like, felt the need to take his DNA anyway mm. because of the so charges like that were brought up against, yeah. Nonviolent something, maybe. Yeah. Um, mm. So, but then as of 2005, uh, the, uh, they didn't, the probation department didn't even have the resources to collect mm. samples uh, un- until 2005. Mm. So it was like, he just missed it by just a couple of years. Yeah. Man. So they, but they could have if they got DNA from him. But now yeah. that's like it. You're arrested for anything, and you they take your DNA, your fingerprints, and all that crap. Yeah. And yeah. they should they should have been doing that forever. Yeah. Um. So now they've arrested Franklin. Now they are digging deep in his life. Um. So on December sixteenth, two thousand ten, the LAPD. Uh, did an investigation in his house and they released 180 photos of women that were found in his home. Um, I'm sorry, how many? 180 photos of women. Oh. 180. And that was his, the, the police, I read another article and I didn't put it in here, but the, the, some of the police officers were, that did this uh, raid of his house in a sense, they said that it was a, you could tell that this was like a trophy type thing for him. I mean, yeah, that was like Anitra was saying after he shot and raped her, he took a photo. A photo, yeah. So oh. if, if we're going by the amount of photos that were found in his house, he had murdered over 180 women. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they, they weren't successful in identifying all of these women. Um, there were, and they know that there are additional 
um, photos of women that they just couldn't they couldn't even release mm-hmm. like those ones that apparently they said that um, or the police chief Charlie Beck said, quote, these people are not suspects. We don't know. Uh, we don't even know if they are victims, but we do know this mm-hmm. Lonnie Franklin's reign of terror in the city of Los Angeles, which spanned well over two decades, culminating with almost a dozen murder victims certainly needs to be investigated further. End quote. Mm-hmm. Um, so then this is where I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. So they're like just ripping things apart in his house. So he had like secret like panels in the house <gasps> that like had all of these like trophy type things all over the place. And oh no, the investigators found over a thousand photos and several hundred hours of video in his home of these victims no and again they're saying we don't know if these are victims or if they are just photos of him kind of like stalking people that he was eventually thinking to of murdering and didn't oh no but the reason that they didn't they don't want to put these images out because some of these people could still be alive yeah. So on, they were only putting out photos of like people that they could clearly see that were like shot or clearly see oh. that they were beaten or something like that to, to identify. I know it makes oh. me sick. It, like I literally was reading this and I was like a thousand, a thousand. Are you kidding? And like, and those videos, like, you know, somebody in the police department had to sit there and watch all those fucking videos. Imagine oh that. God. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Abs- I, absolutely horrifying. Um, but all of these images and videos, mainly of black women, they ranged a uh, variety of ages. Um, and some of some of them were uh, teenagers um, to middle aged or even older than that. They said that they were all, most of them were often nude. Um, so, like, my thought was like, OK, mm-hmm. if there are so many of these photos and so many of these videos, maybe he didn't kill everybody that he attacked like maybe he raped all of these women and took a a picture or photo and just like no one ever came forward which is is typical you know that happens they were addicts and sex workers Mm -hmm. they just were like okay this is no and and notifying the police there was no uh, if you know you're you you're a sex worker you're somebody who's on drugs there's no way you're gonna go to the police and be like hey this happened to me please help like and that's the problem that our 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 police our law enforcement we there's no safe place to go there really is no safe place to go that you know that you're not going to be judged you know you're not going to be you know, just another one of the victims that ends up being like, well, you shouldn't be a sex worker or well, you should yeah. have a better job or well, you shouldn't be in that neighborhood or well, yeah. you should go to rehab. Like, come on. Or well, arrested for possession, yeah. possession, or yeah, sex yeah. work. Yeah. So the police took some of the pictures um, and videos which like showed certain victims that were like conscious during the time. So it was like trying to figure out like which videos and and pictures and stuff like that were victims that could still be alive and victims that were, were clearly unconscious in the, in the photos. Um, so they did take these photos and released some of them to the public's public in an, in an effort to identify some of the, the, the women in the photos. Mm -hmm. So Reuters, it's an international news organization. They reported that, 
the some of the Franklin suspects in more than six slayings of additional female victims on top of the photos and videos and all that shit that they found. They had others that they were um, basically had evidence that or basically the same um, pattern from the uh, from the Grim Sleeper. Uh, they police obviously investigated all of the victims from the eighties and the ones from the beginning of 2002, um, and tried to piece together the, like the 14 year ish gap between the victims that had a clear pattern and the victims in 2000 that had also had a clear pattern. So they tried to, to, to figure out like, you know, the, the span between each murder and see if there was anything consistent with that. And it all kind of was just like, it looks based on other than like, if you took the photos and the videos out of the equation, it just looks like he went to sleep for 14 years. And that's why he, Mm -hmm. he coined the name, the grim sleeper. So the, the police, after the discovery of, of the photographs and videos that they found in Franklin's house, they spent months trying to identify the the victims of the in the in the photos, and they were eventually able to identify thirty five of them. Oh um, and uh, Vivian Williams, she was Georgia May Thomas's sister, who she was mm-hmm. the first victim of two thousand that we know of. Um, she said that you know she was spent a long time trying to hopefully figure out or have somebody figure out, you know, what happened to her sister. And then she was home just flipping through the channels and she saw on the news that a serial killer named the grim sleeper had been identified. And she said that she was watching it and she saw like all the police detectives raiding the greenhouse. And she said that they put the address on the, on the, um, uh, on the screen, and it was 81st Street, and she said a f- sickening feeling overcame her. She said that she realized that the house that was on the TV was the same house that she dropped her sister off, Georgia May Thomas, to visit her, quote, boyfriend, <gasps> Lonnie. No. Yep. So Georgia was like basically dating Lonnie and she said that her and her husband was in the house and she says she yelled to her husband tell him told him to come downstairs or come over or whatever mm-hmm. and she said he did it he did it I know he did it mm. isn't that crazy uh, that again goes to like why when Georgia was found why didn't anybody look into that kind of thing I don't I don't know like there's so many like reasons why they wouldn't and there's so many and it's not that that's okay but like there is uh, there's a very obvious reason why they didn't okay so obviously the ov- from the time that he was arrested to the almost to the trial they um had so many people calling in. Um, one of the detectives, he's an LAPD detective. He was the one that was responsible for fielding all of the calls that were coming in about the victims. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that he, he would receive like hundreds of calls a day. And, um, 
he said that after that happened, he suspected that it would continue for years based on the amount of uh, photos they had to compare. Oh my God. And remember uh, Rolinia, uh, who we didn't know, but, couldn't find, they, did, they didn't find her body, or yeah. um, Ayala, I think that's how you say her name, yeah. Ayala, both of their bodies were not found. Yeah. Um, so now that, you know, they, those were two of the, the women that they found that were identified in the photos. Um, and Cannon, Rolenia's uh, son, he said that once he found out that um, the Grim Sleeper was responsible for his mother's death, he said it didn't matter what was, you know, w- whether he was convicted or whether he was, whatever happened to him, she, he said that it, he, um, quote, there won't be um, there won't ever be any closure, he said. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't even a funeral because they never found the body. Oh, my God. Um, he says he, he now has a three-year-old son of his own, and he tries to match the de- devotion his mother showed him, holding out hope that she might still be alive. Oh, my God. He said, quote, I just want to know where my mama's body is. I know she's probably gone, but I just can't accept it. I'm going to cry. Sorry. Sorry. That was sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, Ayala, she she was also one of the, the victims that... Um, they didn't find her body and her high school, um, identification card was found in, uh, Franklin's garage as well as, um, uh, sorry, her last name is, oh, uh, Relenia Morris. Her ID was also found in the, uh, garage and that's how they linked evidence to Franklin and that he was responsible for um, her murder or their murders. Um, and Janicia Peters, uh, she was the last victim. Her, uh, she was linked through DNA analysis um, and at least 11 other unsolved murders that happened, which are the 11 murders that you mentioned in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a secret LA task force that was, um, started and it was basically, uh, overseen by the robbery homicide unit. And they, uh, they, that was started, you know, to try to identify the victims, um, that were matched, um, in the photos or weren't matched from the photos because they didn't want to release, um, all of the yeah. photos that could potentially be victims of rape or victims mm-hmm. that are still alive. So, um, th- there was like a secret thing going on, but you know, that, uh, that I- I'm assuming like there's, n- I didn't see anywhere in my research that showed that like they stopped this, mm. this task force or that like they're still not trying to identify. I mean, it's, yeah. is it's 11 years ago, but, um, oh it just seems like I, I there might be still cases or a case in which they are still searching for some of the victims. So 
Now we get to discuss a little bit about Lonnie David Franklin. Mm. Um, he was born August 30th, 1952, which I will just say August 30th is my birthday. <gasps> no! Yep. I know that's your birthday, but holy shit, I did not even think birthday. about it. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So he's a Virgo, mm-hmm. which explains why he likes a pattern. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so, he, but he was born in 1952 in South Central. So he was a young boy during like the civil rights movement, grew up in a time, lots of racial tension, mm-hmm. what's new. Um, but a really, I mean, again, what's new, difficult time to be a young black person. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lived like, you know, in this formative years, it was the Korean war, the Vietnam war, like all of these things with like essentially like the young men in this neighborhood getting shipped off shipped off to go die in wars that we didn't really have a business being in. Yeah. Um or if you came back, you're like you're hated over there and then you're hated when you come home from people that don't like the military and don't like the war and then from people like the good old boys who don't like black people. So basically yeah. like you're screwed mm-hmm. no matter what you do. Yeah. Um and Lonnie actually served in the military. Again, not a lot of options. So this, you know, not a bad choice, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I have conflicted feelings about the military. Yeah. Um, but he was stationed in West Germany. Okay. And this was in the 70s. So before the wall came down. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in West Germany. So I think that was the better side. Hmm. I don't actually, I don't actually know. Yeah. Um, but on July 24th, 1975, about a month before his 23rd birthday, he was dishonorably discharged. Oh. And the reason why he was dishonorably discharged is very awful. Oh my God. Um, so on April 17th, 1974, 11 years before the first murder. That we know of. That we know of. Lonnie and two other soldiers who were stationed in Stuttgart, Germany, were driving around Oh, one good night. pronunciation. Thank you. I've been watching a lot of Eurovision content. So. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's actually like Stuttgart, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's where they were stationed. I don't know where it is. Um, Lonnie was a cook, and he had an E4 ranking, which I looked up. And I guess throughout all the like branches of the military... I think he was army um, is the third lowest. So there's only like one. He had like one promotion ever, but also not the lowest of the low. So like he did enough to get promoted at least once. Mm -hmm. Um, So him and his two buddies were driving around and they stopped to ask um, this 17 year old girl who is known only as Ingrid W., they stopped to ask her for directions and then offered to give her a ride home. And she's seeing, you know, American soldiers in uniform and in the 70s, she accepted. Yeah. Um, but as soon as she got in the car, they put a knife to her throat and drove her to a field. <gasps> oh, my God. And there they took turns repeatedly raping her. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh so. Oh, my God. Despite 
I'm gonna going need a fucking through that. drink after this. Seriously, I'm so like I can't. I know. She was asked like, "How long did that go on for?" And she said, "The rest of the night." Oh my god! Hours and hours and hours. Oh my god, that's so fucking disgusting. I know. I know. But despite going through that. She was so smart because she was able to come out the other side and pretend to be interested in Lonnie. <gasps> and she gave him her phone number and was like, call me. And said, said she wanted to go on a date with him. And <gasps> so she said she did that just to hope that she w- they wouldn't kill her and they would just drop her off at home. Yeah. Exactly what we were talking about with Anitra, where sometimes saying yes Saves your life. Your life, yeah. Even if you just go through a terrible situation. I'm not advocating that. Everybody say, no, run away. Yeah. It's not worth it. Carry a whistle, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they dropped her off at home after that. Like nothing fucking happened. Oh, my so, God. And she immediately went to the police and described the attack. The police, the German police, scary, mm. knew that the military base was close by but, it, like, based on her descriptions, couldn't really, like, narrow down exactly who did it. And yeah. it would be really hard to prosecute, like, Americans and everything. So it was like, they're kind of were like, okay, we need a little bit more than, like, just this description. Yeah. And then Lonnie called Ingrid <gasps> to ask her on a fucking date. What a fucking idiot. Idiot. Oh, and so my God. then the German police were like, oh, great. OK, yeah. So then they pulled this whole sting operation where she was like, let's meet at the train station. Yeah. At this time. And so she goes and she brings the whole police and they when she sees Lonnie and he starts to approach her, she like drops a handkerchief to signal to the police that that's the guy. And so they just swarm him oh. and arrest him. And I'm like. How amazing that she had the foresight to give yes. her phone number. Yeah. Like. She's a fucking hero. Wow. A hero. Obviously, oh. wish that never happened to her, but. Oh, yeah. But, like, way to yeah. go. I know. So, Lonnie and the two other men, they've somehow found the other men. I'm assuming Lonnie. Give them, them up. Out, yeah. Um, they were put on trial. The three men argued it was all consensual, Ugh. of course, um, but they were found guilty and Lonnie was sentenced to three years in West German prison. Wow. Um, and that was the first recorded instance of his yeah. crimes. Wow. Um, so the other thing that was significant about this is that during this awful rape of Ingrid, it's un- it's unclear who did this, but somebody took photos of what happened oh. while it was happening. And that is what became Lonnie's MO. Yeah. During his entire thing. That became wow. his thing. So this was definitely like a formative mm-hmm. yeah, thing for him. And like what the fuck? Like why wasn't there any like known like way to say like oh this is the guy and he comes back to fucking america like why didn't anything happen like why why how many people's lives would have been saved if he would have just like tripped on because i guess you do your you he did his time he served time yeah 
and like that's the way that that system works and it was also that was the 70s right the 70s and it is kind of impossible to know i'm surprised he went away for three years because usually it's shorter than that like eight months on good behavior i don't think he actually served three years he was sentenced three years but he served some time okay all right um but it's also German and military rules, which is different than yeah, civilian true, rules. Yeah, true, true. Um, but Lonnie's attorney during that case said he belie- said that he believed that Lonnie was guilty. Like, the attorney believed that Lonnie was guilty. And he agreed with the verdict, but he didn't see Lonnie as a monster. He said, quote, he appeared mild-mannered and didn't appear to be a bad guy at the time. Mm-hmm. The court felt like he was probably influenced by the other two servicemen. Which I don't yeah. know about. And then um, Detective Darren Dupree said, quote, he got caught and got away with it. And he came back here and he started getting girls again. But as soon as they showed hesitation or gave him a hard time, he killed them. Any inkling of him getting caught or them treating him bad, he killed them. Wow. End quote. So that could be yeah. why... If he just wanted to rape somebody, he would just rape him. Yeah. But then if there was any fighting back, like Anitra said, she disrespected him. Then so he, he shot her. her. Yeah. And because or he tried went to. to German prison and because he was caught before. And oh, I think because yeah. he was upset that Ingrid tricked him. To, yeah. She she deceived him. He took it out on everybody, everybody else. else. Oh, my God. This is right? so, like, literally piecing puzzles together. Like, shit. It That's all came back down to he and he, the, all the other women that they can't find in those photos that could be conscious or unconscious. Yeah. Like he, those were his trophies. He probably has raped. Yeah. That's meant how many women he, he raped and the and people that in- had something to say. Right. That he would kill him. Silent stuff. Holy you know, what's fuck. interesting too is cause he is a serial killer, but he would shoot them. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I feel like is not typical, yeah. Typical of a serial killer because if you want to kill, mm-hmm. it's a gunshot is impersonal and distance, yeah. and it's to get a job done. And serial killers, some serial killers, anyways, yeah. like the killing portion of it, like having that power, like having that intimacy. Mm-hmm. And this was not ever yeah. that case. So this feels like Lonnie was a serial rapist who killed people. I'm not I'm not saying it's not Yeah. No, I understand what, what you're it saying. Is, yeah. But it feels like his goal wasn't necessarily to find people to murder, but to find people to rape. Because yeah. I think he probably was chasing that high of that initial Sh- yeah. situation with Ingrid. Mm-hmm. And then that fear and yeah ownership. like letting and, them uh, if they were gonna talk or he felt like they were gonna talk he would shoot them because then like he was never gonna fall questioned if he felt tricked if he felt yeah. any any part of him under attack yeah and he wasn't gonna let what happened with ingrid happen again right holy that's shit my, that's my theory yeah no i agree i think i think you're right on holy shit that's crazy um so uh, I'm gonna cover the trial and sentencing. Like, obviously, we know who did it, and now we've kind of pieced together a little bit why we think why he did it, mm-hmm. or the reason he did it. Um, so there was a really lengthy like pre-trial um, that 
ended up there was a lot of delays in the case or in the in the trial but it did end up starting on February 16th 2016 and it went all the way through uh May 2nd 2016 mm. um uh Lonnie Franklin was charged with 10 counts of murder one count of attempted murder and he was held without bail um the in court his lawyers cited that the quote reasonable expectation of privacy is the reason that the dna that they obtained through the pizza crust should be thrown out um Uh. but the judge overruled it because the claim that discarded food can be uh is is private like after you've thrown your food away is is not like you're you're done with it it's it's now basically public you know property um, so she overruled it, or they underrule, uh, overruled it because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, the district attorney, uh, Beth Silverman, she, uh, in her opening statement, uh, she said, she told the jurors that the gun used to kill Dismook, is that her, her last name? I think so. Okay, that's, I just didn't know if I was saying it wrong. She was sh- not- shot with the same gun that Janicia uh, Peters, my last victim, oh. was shot with. Um, and she said that the, um, it was basically like, she said, quote, this was the first murder in the series of murders committed by the defendant, like book ends on this series of murders, end quote. Um, Lonnie Franklin's uh, attorney declined to present opening statements um, at huh. the start of the 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 trial which is very weird yeah um and the uh prosecutor said that the weapons used to kill uh both georgia thomas she it was also that was the same gun so basically the prosecution is just linking all these different uh cases with either the gun or dna evidence there was a forensic lab technician that also testified um that during the uh, raid in his home that the false walls that were uh, taken out Mm -hmm. in the garage, it was a three day search in July, 2010. And he said that he, that the findings that they, they discovered in the house were, you know, um, the yellow trash bags um, that were, Mm -hmm. and then there was one from Best Buy that was wrapped around the 25 caliber pistol that matched to several of the victims that were shot. Um, also members of the team that carried out the search warrant, um, to search his, his house said, quote, had a funny feeling that there might be items concealed out of view in the garage because in the garage were not only the photos that they found, but also the, they had like small appliances and boxes and tools and papers. Like it was just like a cluttered mess. And in that mess is where they found the ID cards for Ayala Marshall Mm -hmm. and uh, Rolinia Morris. So they were like, there's, they basically testified that there were definite, um, other trophies that he had hidden within this this garage silverman the uh district attorney she also told the jurors that uh they suspected that um that marshall uh, ayella marshall vanished in january 2006 and um rolinia morris disappeared in 2005 
And because they were never able to find their bodies, they didn't have any like specific evidence that tied him to them other than the ID cards. But it, it was the prosecution's way to kind of like spell out the, the timeline between, mm-hmm. you know, the 2000, the end of the 1988 murders and all the way until mm-hmm. the 2000s murders. Um, Seymour Amster, who is the uh, defense attorney, he cross-examined the fingerprint at expert who discovered the prints on the pistol and the magazine that um, the 25 caliber that they matched to the the victims. Um, he cross-examined uh, the expert and basically was trying to ask him whether like fingerprints were unique and if they change over time and like the experts like, yeah, no, like that's not a thing. <laughs> You know, but then he also, like, he questioned her about, like, other prints on the gun and, like, how there could possibly be, like, a secret other person that could have used this gun. And the, uh, the expert was like, I, there was never, ever a question whether there were other prints also on this gun or partial prints also on this gun. They never, um, found any other prints other than, um, other than, uh, What's his name? Lonnie. Sorry. <laughs> so the families of the victims also uh, offered emotional accounts um, on the day of the tr- or during the trial. Um, you know, there was many accounts of like what not knowing who committed the, the murders of their family members did to mm-hmm. their families um, Dismuke's sister tearfully, she told the jury, jury, quote, refuse, um, I refuse to believe that she's gone. Bernita Sparks, his brother, sh- he was so angry when, um, he was told that his baby sister had been killed by the grim slip- sleeper, that he punched a tree. And he mm-hmm. said, quote, she would do anything for anybody in the family who asked of her. Um, in the closing arguments, uh, the defense attorney, he basically was trying to say that there was an unknown assailant that committed these murders. He wasn't very good, in my opinion, if you're going to go like, yeah, there's this mystery man that did it instead of this guy whose prints were on the gun and DNA on multiple victims. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not him. Of course not. It's going to be this phantom that did it. It's just like, okay, I see you grasping at straws here to try to save your client's ass, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so judge Kathleen Kennedy, I knew it was a woman. I, I, I was right that it was a lady. I was like, why, why did I say she before? And then I switched and I said they, but I was like, nope, yep, it's, it's a woman. (laughs) Um, she's a 28 year veteran in the court. She concluded that Franklin preyed on defenseless women because of a deep seated hatred towards them. She said, quote, I can't think of anyone I've encountered in all my years in the criminal justice system that has committed the monstrous crimes that you have. End quote. Wow. Um, she also didn't buy the defense attorney's argument that um, California's death penalty was unconstitutional and that she, she it should be set aside. Um, she also rejected the motion for a new trial. Um, the district attorney Silverman, she said, quote, he is a psychopathic, sadistic serial killer who takes joy in inflicting pain on women and killing them. Franklin, he showed absolutely no emotion or remorse throughout the trial or the six years of like court hearings that they had before that. 
Um, he did silently mouth something to the mother of one of the victims. Georgia May Thompson's mother said on quote on the inside, I know you're broken and you're hurting just like all of us. She said that she would pray for him. And she said, quote, we know that you really need to be delivered. So she forgave him for all the horrible things that he had done to her daughter, which takes some fucking strength. I'm telling you. Um, yeah. The jury uh, started deliberation on May 4th, uh, 2016, um, and they deliberated for a day and a half, and they found Franklin uh, guilty on all counts. Uh, Franklin's conviction was automatically uh, appealed, uh, you know, of course, like, why wouldn't you? Um, And his sentencing hearing began a week later on May 12th, 2016. Um, and he, the Los Angeles County jury sentenced Franklin to death, um, on June 6, 2016. So it was about a month, a little over a month that, mm-hmm. that his sentencing trial took. Um, and on August 10th, the superior court sentenced, um, Franklin on each count, naming each individual victim. Wow. At the hearing, uh, the prosecutors presented, uh, the evidence that for Rolinia's murder as well as um, Ayala's murder because they're they weren't able to have it they didn't have enough evidence to convict him of those murders but they mm-hmm. did present it at the sentencing hearing mm-hmm. um, and Anitra Washington was also present at the sentencing hearing and she um, testified and she said quote you are truly a a piece of evil. She said wow. that, quote, you, you're right up there with Manson. End quote. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Um, also the brother of Monique, uh, Alexander said, uh, he, you know, he, and he, did you see, I don't know if he was, she was one of your victims, but she, he, he drew throughout the whole trial. No, I, I saw... didn't look into the trial at all. Oh, okay. So I found a video, and I have it linked in our sources, where he does an interview and he shows all of his drawings that he did during the trial. And oh. he did it, he said he wanted to do it because it would remind him of like everything that they went through to finally convict her killer. Um, and he said that he, he always... Wait, who did the drawings? Her brother. Oh, I thought you were saying Lonnie Drew. Oh, no, 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 God. no. Um, Monique Alexander's brother did. Okay. And um, he said, uh, quote, uh, even like throughout the time before they knew that it was uh, that she was murdered by the Grim Sleeper, mm-hmm. he would he would always think like, is he here with me? Is like, who killed her? Like, obviously she was murdered and like... I really want to know, like, if it's the guy that's walking beside me, is he in the store with me? Um, and yeah. uh, he just felt that during the, the trial and, and finally having the peace of mind to know that the guy that did this to his sister was going to be put away for a very, very long time. Yeah. And the truth is, like, he was right there. He was in plain yeah. sight. He was talking to people. There was an article I read that said that the, his neighbors would say that he was the nicest man ever. And he was, he worked on his cars a lot in his yard and they would walk by and while they were walking their dogs and he would, you know, 
he would talk to them very politely. And it's like, that's the truth. He was just there in plain sight. He was shopping for dinner at the local grocery store. He had a family. He had children. He had a well-paying job. Like, I, we need to get this idea out of our heads that, like, oh, all serial killers are are private and, and introverts and they don't actually, like, walk amongst us. And that's just not true. These monsters are not hiding. And... Everybody keeps saying that the Grim Sleeper, he slept for 14 years. He wasn't sleeping. He was clearly out there committing these mul- these murders. He was bold. He was vicious. Just because they're talking, you know, or they're taking people that won't be missed doesn't mean that we as a society need to miss them as well. There was a 14-year gap that he committed countless murders and, and I'm sure rapes that just because those women were not in the profession that we, d- we decide or deem acceptable in, in, our, in our society doesn't mean that those women have to be missed. We need to pay attention. Law enforcement needs to pay attention. Our justice system needs to pay attention so that monsters like the Grim Sleeper don't continue to murder our sisters, our mothers, our daughters, and walk freely on this earth. Fortunately... Franklin will not be walking on this earth. On March 28, 2020, Franklin died in prison. He was found unresponsive in his cell Saturday night and was pronounced dead at 7.43 p.m. His cause of death is pending, the results of the autopsy, and there were no signs of trauma. And while his cause of death is unknown, whether it be suicide, somebody else taking it into their own hands, even COVID, at least we know that he can't terrorize these people anymore. This week's episode was written and edited by me, Devin Balsamo-Gillis, with music by Holly Amber Church. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. On On their their behalf, behalf, thank thank you you for for listening. listening.